This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Dr. Everything will be alright. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a B-side episode of Set Lusting Bruce. That's right, where we get off the Bruce train and we go into other musical areas. And today, I am honored. I have, there are only a handful of people that I give credit or the blame for my podcast journey. And Comic News Insider is one of the things. And the man, Jimmy Aquino, is here right now. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, you know. Very very kind of you. Thank you. No, it's true. They just, Joe and Jimmy, and now it's just Jimmy with a wonderful selection of rotating chair of co-hosts. Just how long have you been doing this now? Joe started it in April 2015, and I was on a handful of episodes. And then in uh, end of 2015, he was like, uh, and I was like finishing up with this sketch comedy group I was working with. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Do you want to do this full time with me?" And I was like, "Yeah." So we sort of reformatted everything, came up with a format, and and have been weekly since 20 January 2016. So yeah, wow, long time. It is just it is a highlight every week. Uh, they're up to over 600 episodes now, I guess. And just did the sign of the beast, six, six, six. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so, um, and, but one of the things that first off, uh, if you aren't following the podcast, you're missing some of the best material from the big conventions. One of the thing that Jimmy does really well is and I I told him this when he's not on the show is he goes to all the little round table you know press briefings with different comic books and movies and TV shows and he gets that data and so they run that on to us so if you can't make San Diego or you can't make New York Jimmy gets the very best of it for you and it's always interesting yeah it's a fun time to sit down and like who would have thought that I'd be sitting in a room, you know, with granted 50, sometimes 50 or more other press people, but at a round table that with about maybe 10 of us and then talent from these different shows I watch or I'm sitting right next to stars of The Walking Dead or Arrow or The Flash or iZombie or whatever, you know, it's just really crazy. And it's like, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> but, um, but it's kind of fun. 
Yeah. So I wanted to start out with, uh, talk to me about your musical background as a kid. Growing up, what kind of music did you listen to? What did your family listen to? Was it a very musical family? Well, I have a, uh, an interesting thing about music. It's like I feel a lot of people in different generations stop listening to music at a certain period in their life. Like for my mom, she stopped in the 50s and 60s. Like mm-hmm. she never anything modern on occasion she listened to. There's not no hate on it, of course. It yeah. was great stuff. So because of that, she had a giant record collection of Motown, Elvis. I was a huge Motown and Elvis fan as a kid. And I, I listened to modern music, of course. I listened to Casey Kasem's Top 40 and loved it. Growing up, I was a huge fan of, like I said, besides Elvis, like the, you know, the Four Tops and the Platters and yeah. things like that. And all that old great Diana Ross and Supreme, great old Motown sound, Smokey uh, Robinson. When did you graduate from high school? Um, I'm old, so... Uh, I graduated eighty seven. Okay, see, yeah. you're not as old as me because I graduated <laughs> in seventy seven. Ah. Uh, so yeah, and you, so um, you had that of really because you know when graduating seventy seven, it was top forty radio, and that was it. Right. You know, only the quote unquote druggies listened to album oriented rock back then. Right. You know, so you had a more diverse uh, kind of musical. You know, in that era where yeah. there was a lot of different kind of music. Um, so you and this was the one of the reasons why we, I had Jimmy join me is you actually decided to do a little bit of um, music as you're living for a while, right? Yeah, well, I mean, because as a kid, I always sung and always danced. Okay. And I always liked it. And my mom was, um, again... A little bit influenced my grandmother too. My grandmother was an actress in my uh, at one point in her life, and my mom was part of this dance club called the Beach Pop Club or something like that, where there's like fifty okay. style dancing, you know, jive oh, and everything. Nice. So I learned a lot of that stuff young, and I just used to I just would dance on my own. Mm-hmm. And then of course, even before MTV, people may remember that Casey Kasem had a TV show, and there would be videos shown on that. Right. So you could see stuff or there are award shows, you see people dancing. But of course, with the advent of MTV, you get to mm-hmm. see all these amazing videos. Yeah. And I was still a kid. And I would, you know, we would learn the entire thriller video, you know, as the bunch of us kids, just because we loved it. Uh huh. And um, it wasn't until, and I would sing like solos and choir stuff and, you know, then um, in school or church, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I would, they would do these uh, summer musicals. And a girlfriend of mine was in it um, one time. And I was older. I wasn't like this little kid. I was like maybe 14 or 15. Yeah. And she was doing Barnum, uh, a play, a mu- the musical based on P.T. Barnum and the, you know, the Ringling Brothers Circus. Right. Or before Ringling Brothers. And um, his whole life. And they're like, oh, we need people. And my mom was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I auditioned. And I got like the part of Tom Thumb. Mm-hmm. General Tom Thumb, so I sang this whole song called Bigger Isn't Better. And and then I worked with that group every summer. We did Grease the next year where I played Duty. Then we did Hello, Dolly. And then we did like a, a big anniversary show. Um, and it was really fun. And I really started liking leading towards performing. And my senior year, oh, during those productions, there was always a choreographer who, mm-hmm. P- Polly B, Miss Polly, as she was called, yes. um, who was like, will you come take dance in my studio? And I was, you know, too busy playing soccer and basketball. 
Right. And the stuff's all like, well, I don't have time. I'm in all these clubs, and it costs you, oh, you don't have to pay anything because we don't have many guys. And so finally, my senior year of high school, I just started, I'm like, I'm going to go to these dance classes at night. And I was like, okay, it's cool. It's free. I'm like, yeah, it's free. She's like, okay. So yeah. ended up doing that. And that sort of, you know, got me going to the dance side to learn actually how to do the proper moves for things and having some sort of technique to it. What I find interesting is you just have always been, even as a kid, someone that had a lot going on in your life, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, because even to this day, I know you have. I, I think it's also wonderful because a lot of times parents um, do not want to push you for something that isn't practical, right? You know, that, and, and right. so it was kind of good that your mom was, no, I think you should work through this, and and that's great. So you're a senior in high school, and yeah. you're doing, you're, you've done this summer musical, you're now taking uh, dance classes, so what's next? Well, well, what I found out was next was, with our dance team, we had this unrealistic thing where I didn't think I'd be able to be a part of it. Where that the summer of my graduation in '87, the dancing was going to go to Russia and Denmark and Sweden for a dance tour for two weeks, and of course we're like, "There's no way we can afford that." And the dance teacher really wanted me to go because well, we're doing a lot of fundraising to the point where you won't have to pay much at all, if anything. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was graduating, I'll put in our graduation notice. Maybe it was a little cheeky, but we put it in like, "Hey, just so you know, Jimmy's going on a trip to Russia this summer." and be great to you know, help out. So somebody that might have sent fifty dollars sent maybe seventy. Somebody might have sent twenty, yeah. maybe sent forty. Sure. So that really helped out too. And because of all the fundraising, we were able to pay for it. And I was able to go with them, and it was one of the most fantastic experiences of my life. I was seventeen years old, and I'm in Russia dancing on the stage in Gorky Park, the first American team to ever do so, and dancing with these Russian folk dancers, and it was pretty amazing. I guess. Oh, I I can imagine. Yeah. So when you came back, did you have the bug full time by that time? Yeah, I kind of already had it because I kept saying in in high school, oh, yeah. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor when I grow up." And there was no other no other choice, you know. And um, so I immediately left. And during high school, there was the local community college, and mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother knew some people there, and she knew the 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 drama teacher. And, and they gave full scholarships, so and, she, I w- I was started. I did a play in my senior year there at in, in the college, and she yeah. offered me a full scholarship the next year. So this is growing up where at? in Jacksonville, Florida. I thought so, I, but I yeah. wasn't sure. Okay, Jacksonville Beach. I grew up at, but Jacksonville is the whole okay. city, the big city. Yeah. So hey, you've man, you're you've got a full ride in the mm-hmm. college you're going. Did you pursue all the way to get a degree, or? Yeah, I mean, it was just a community college, so I got an right. AA, and and I and I had what was great was um the teacher had is an old alumni of Ole Miss mm-hmm. in the University of Mississippi, and um so every year she would take her students out to Ole Miss, audition for them, and um and if you got in, you got in, and so a lot of us got accepted there, got a scholarship, but I turned it down. Ah. And I was actually talking to my old best friend from high school and college who I've reconnected with about five years ago. Ted still lives in Florida. He went. He took it. And we yeah. Like, oh, I wish I would have went with you sometimes. He's like, I wish you would have been too because it would have been great. Yeah. The boys together, you know, taking over that, that city. And um, What was the thought process at the time, Jimmy, why you decided not to go and, you know, to Ole Miss? I can't remember the timeline exactly, but I know I'd started working – 
in the theater around town a lot. And a lot of okay. it was just community theater. Yeah. But I get heavily involved. And I did my first professional show at um, the Alhambra Dinner Theater. I did The King and I. So it was the first time I ever did a professional show. I got paid for it. And that was pretty amazing. And, I, um, I, I'm sure it just it felt like, really? They're going to pay me for doing this yeah. what I love? Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. it, was, it was really, really fun. And then I started getting involved in the Theater Jacksonville, which is, I think to this day, still the oldest continuously running community theater in the nation. Wow. And I, just, I started doing plays there and at the other community theaters. And a friend of mine was like, we're thinking of starting a children's theater here. Do you want to be a part of it? Because at first I was like, yeah. And then they're like, well, we also teach classes. Do you want to help out teaching? And I was 19 years old, 18, 19, 20 years yeah. old. I'm like, what do I know? I okay. Yeah, so I would just started started off assisting and doing some choreography stuff and then some sort of acting games and then eventually they're like, You you can teach. So I started teaching like, you know, ages four to fifteen, sixteen. And I was especially then I was like four years older than some of them, you know. Sure. <laughs> it's weird, but all right. Um but, but I had a really good time with it. And the children's theater stuff we did, we wrote and directed and choreographed ourselves and we became a really big hit around town and um so that's kind of i think that's the reason i stayed and didn't go to college because i was like well i'm doing it instead of earning a degree for it you know and that makes a lot of sense because i'm always impressed we've seen different uh celebrities especially actors who will go pursue their degree and even though they've been very successful because they want that education you know the reality is I'd be like you, hey, I'm learning more doing this than I would be in a classroom. And now after the fact, you may go, eh, that could have been a different path and it may have done something different for me, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's what we tend to talk about. That. Oh, sometimes I wish I would have went, but then I would have never had that children's theater experience and right. never you know, worked with all those people and like mm-hmm. you know, taught all those kids and who yeah. some of them are still in touch with me today. You know, It's pretty oh. amazing. So yeah, That is very cool. So – so Jimmy, um, how long did you stay there in Florida, and then did you decide to? I mean, did you make the leap to go to the next step and doing this professionally? Well, we had kept talking about it, Ted and I. Even when he got back, we were like, we had to right. go to New York, and he was from New York originally, anyway. And like, we got you know, because we were like, we were, we were, we always joke, we were like, we were Ben Affleck and Matt Damon before they were. <laughs> we were okay. best friends, and we did plays together, and we wrote stuff together, and we always worked on stuff together, and we, you know, went on the town together to pick up girls, you know, at night, you know, it's like, sure. we did our thing, and, um, and, uh, so we're like, we're gonna move to New York together, and then, um, I think, you know, life happens, things change, he took a different path, and, um, finally one summer, like the summer of 93, I've been talking about it forever. And that summer I decided I'm going to go in January. And everyone's like, yeah, sure you are because you've been talking about it for years now. I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I contacted my aunt who used to live in New York but now lives in New Jersey. And I was like, can I come stay with you for a while, maybe six months, I don't know, till I get my ground bearings and like 23 at the time, you know. And um, she's like, sure, of course. And so – December rolls around, and suddenly people are like, "Oh, you're really going, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, I told you guys I was going." You know, so, and, and I did it. I packed and, up and left. You know, that's really 
it's exciting and challenging. It, it's super scary. <laughs> yeah, very scary. And you had a little bit of a safety net because oh, yeah. Come you've on, got a family sure, yeah. there. But when Linda and I, that's my wife, got married in 84 and in 86, you know, we decided to move to Dallas from our town in Louisiana. And, you know, we went up here, spent a week. She got a job. And then, you know, but we packed everything up and moved up here. Um, and it is scary going to a new city and, and I, you know, Dallas, Texas is, you know, small compared to New York city. I just, it, it is, I, it's a big world in a small place for sure. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And, little island. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. So once you get here, did you have a plan or were you just gonna, no, no uh, idea. And, and I moved here, it was a year of like. I don't know, 10, 15 blizzards. So I literally moved into a snowstorm. <laughs> and, my, and of course, growing up in Florida, we saw snow once. It was like a miracle on Christmas. It snowed one time. Right. And so my aunt lived on a corner house. So she had sidewalks on both sides. So literally, I think my fourth day there, and she didn't tell me anything about like shoveling snow or what I had to do. Cop comes banging on the door. He's like, hey, you've got to shovel the sidewalk. I go, I just moved here from like three yeah. days ago from Florida. He goes, well, you Welcome to New Jersey. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. So, of course, I had to go out there and do it because I didn't know what to do. My aunt's like, oh, I paid the neighborhood kids to do it. I'm like, oh, well, we should have done that. Yeah. And it took me forever. And I could see that it iced up by then. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, what am I doing? And then uh, a, a pair of friends had moved up, a married couple who I went to school with and did a lot of plays with. They um, had moved up at this around the same time and were uh, coincidentally staying with their aunt in New Jersey about – 40 minutes away okay so we would hang out a lot and we'd go and you know go into new york once a week with them so i got a job a friend of the, the wife of my friend kalina her friend worked at this bar in the restaurant about a 15 minute walk from where i was living my aunt yeah and i go i've never bartended you know i never really worked in bars because it's easy i can teach you it's just a service bar you don't have to deal with customers so she kind of lied to the and it was like a buffet restaurant anyway yeah and so she kind of lied to the owners and, and got me the job. And I just kind of learned as I did it. Again, learning as I do it. You know, <laughs> like I never right. you know, figured it out completely. But I guess I, I had these really sad, funny moments where, because I was, you know, I was in a musical theater. I did musicals. Right. And Beauty and the Beast had just come out. It was a fantastic musical. The music they added was so beautiful. A huge Alan yeah. Lincoln fan. And I would be walking down the road, pouring snow listening to Bell sing Is This Home and like tearing up a little going, should I be here? Oh, wow. <laughs> should I have left Florida? What am I doing with my mm -hmm. life, you know? Because it was pretty lonely. You know? I, I, I was making new friends, sure. And, yeah. Yeah, I met a girl at the restaurant. We hung out a couple times and I still had Matt and Kalina, but it was just like I didn't know what I was doing. Well, yeah, because you had, you know, and, and I think it's really brave. You make the decision of, okay, do I – do I stay here in Jacksonville? I, I've kind of got a gig. I'm, it's a, you know, it's a satisfying gig, yeah. but am I not going to take that risk to see what else I can do? It's a cliche, right? It's a big world, Ma. Yeah. I got to go see it. Yeah, and that's what's great. My grandmother was so cool about it because she had done it before, and she, my grandmother and I were like tight. We we're best yeah. friends. Yeah. And, and she was so she was like, you know, when when I left, she goes, I don't want to see you come back here. Unless you're touring with the show, and of course she meant obviously she wanted to see me, but right. But I she, understand. You know, she, it was so great. It's so nice yeah. to hear. 
Um, but yeah, I, didn't, I would go in once a week to the city with Matt and Kalina to check things out and just sort of look around. And then he found these classes he took. I started taking a class with him. It was weirdly why he, how he found these soap opera classes. But we started taking soap opera acting classes, which probably was not the best choice. So I just moved to the city. Yeah. But um, I did it in a new way and, and started working at this acting studio and, and besides taking classes and, you know, you know, met a few people and got some, sent out on my first audition through the woman that owned the studio. Uh-huh. And again, no idea what I was doing because the audition process is – a bit different than it is for community theater, you know? And, um, oh, I can imagine. And so I didn't know. And, and I went in. They're like, oh, it's for a musical thing. And I'm like, well, I sing and dance. And yeah. I had this routine I'd put together from a chorus line to the number. I can do that. I'm watching Cisco pit a pat like a little tap number. Right. So I'll do that. I can, do, cause I can sing it. I can dance it. So I went in, and I remember over here, I had the sheet music. I go, I'm going to do I can do that. They go, great. And I and as I started dancing around, they looked a little puzzled. And when I finished, they were like, well, remember the director going, well, obviously you're a good dancer. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know. I was like, okay, great. I left feeling good. Yeah. And then as I left, this girl who I'd seen who I'd been flirting with and talking to, she yeah. goes, oh, I'll see you later at the dance call. I go, what dance call? Oh, I guess you didn't get a call back for the dance call. I go, what is that? They go, well, you go in and sing. And then they ask you to come back and dance. I was like... Oh, I can already dance for them. <laughs> she was like, oh, well, maybe that's a good sign. So I, I go to my teacher, and she was like, oh, no, no, no. You do not sing and dance at the same time. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I like, didn't know. And I was like, I didn't know. She goes, no, it's fine. You made it. They figured it out. And then the director yeah. was like, oh, we liked him, but it was just kind of weird. He came in and sang and dance at the same yeah. time. I'm like, oopsie, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, though. Would have been nice someone to tell me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I should have done a little more research. I don't know, but this was '94. Uh-huh. You know, I couldn't really look things up on the internet. So. <laughs> oh no, you uh, can. Yeah, but um, I learned. I learned. Uh-huh. Started doing it, so yeah. So were you, you know, Jimmy? Were you just doing the, you know, the almost cliche of just, you know, you're bartending and you're doing, um different you know classes and then auditions and just trying to you know well, when i when i moved into the city i moved into the queens uh, after mm-hmm. about eight months of my aunt eight or nine months and bless her she i think she was like just over having me there yeah i can imagine yeah <laughs> you know, I, you know, had my own room everything was fine kept out of yeah. her way but still just you know used to living on her own for so many years um and i took a sublet in, in queens and then found a job at you know at a restaurant where i was actually waiting tables and um, and I just really learned the system where I would go, I would have classes, mm-hmm. you know, and then I would, uh, work out at the gym when I used to, used to be in shape, you know, I'd go work out <laughs> yes, and, um, work full time five days a week and then I would audition. And I would have during, during the heavy, when I finally got into the game in 95, really figured it out mm-hmm. between like 95 and 99, 2000, I would be working five days a week, working out five days a week. Classes once or twice a week, voice lessons once a week, and auditioning at least, I'm not exaggerating, during the heavy season, two to three times a day. Wow. Uh, or for five days a week. You know, you just had to get used to rejection. And, like, you know, for every hundred shows, I would get one, you know, that I auditioned for. Because I was going to bring that up. I mean, uh, you know, I just went through a nine month um, unplanned yeah. sabbatical. You know, you're kind of, you that 
roller coaster of oh man i really like this gig and oh that'd yeah. be cool if we get it and oh it didn't work out did you learn to adjust your emotions it's just i'm going to do the best i can and then move on or oh yeah you have to okay you just have to like you go in and you obviously want the job for most things you don't get it, you don't get it i mean i was devastated my first broadway audition for miss saigon because i was like well, I'm Asian. I've got to yeah, get the show. Exactly. You know, it's like it makes sense. Yeah. And I went in, and again, I'm being straight up. I'm not the most. I'm not the best singer in the world. I can carry a tune. I'm the best right. dancer in the world. I can move. But um, I had high expectations, and and everyone was like, "You can't go in like that. What are you talking about? This, you just started out. It's like mm-hmm. give yourself some time." And so I started. Get, you know, I was very lucky. I started working three or four shows a year. And the thing is, when you get a show, you know it lasts a certain amount of time. Right. And I found out most of the work took me outside of New York, which I didn't like. But it was fun to travel and not just tours, but um, do little like you know regional theaters or a dinner theater somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you're there for six months, or you're there for three months, or you're there for you know two weeks. And uh, and and we always call that not the real world. Like when you're away doing a show, that's not the real world. And there's this funny thing we taught we call it in the theater industry and romance called showmances, where you get in a show, yeah, you hook up with somebody, uh, and you date that entire time and that's your showmance and then the show ends and normally that relationship ends because it wasn't the real world. You get back to the real yeah. world, you're like, oh things are different now. Um, you know the same thing with cast and friends, you're like some of them you're gonna keep in touch with. You could have been so tight. The rest, you just—it's nothing malicious. Right. You just had moved on to the next cast, you know. And I, the closest thing I had is I went to um, Manila a couple of times for my previous <coughs> job, and you know, one time it was for two weeks, and the other time it was for three weeks. And you know, my wife said, "How is it?" I go, "In a lot of ways, it's perfect because you someone picks you up, and you know, takes you to work." Um, because I can't drive in Manila. And then, you know, I work overnight. You go to work at, you know, it's day hours for, you know, in Dallas, but it's night there in Manila. You work overnight. Uh, someone gets you and says, hey, it's time to go to lunch, Jesse. Okay. You don't know where to go, so they pick where, where you go to lunch. Then you get off. You They take you back to the hotel room, and you go to sleep. I mean, there just there's no decision making, and it is truly like another world. So I can imagine this is that show world, right? Where you know you guys are all bonding. You're the best of friends, and whether you know those romance, and you're kind of doing. I mean, right? How many shows is it? Eight or how yeah, many? Yeah, so you do eight shows a week because you have one day off Monday. Mm-hmm. And you have two show days on Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. You wow! Know? So it was a brutal schedule, but it was like um, it was fun. You loved it, you know. And uh, yeah, especially if you're on tour, you know, and you know you're going to different cities, and mm-hmm. you're in a city a week, you know, whatever. And it's just like is it's fun. Jimmy, was there any especially enjoyable um, shows you were in, or anything that was really memorable? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, I had a good time with most of the shows I did. So okay, I some sure. Good friends, some good memories. Um, but some of my favorite shows doing were uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. Um, it was a great cast, and half that cast, like when I half, definitely a few of them, what are still big on Broadway and do stuff and all the time. Yeah. And uh, um, like yeah, Jesus and Judas both are 
I just ran into the guy that played Judas the other night in the train. I'm like, Andre? He's like, Jimmy? I'm like, what? He's constantly doing some Broadway show. And my friend John that played Jesus was mm-hmm. the Phantom for a while here in Broadway. He was, you know, uh, the lead Les Miserables for a while in Broadway. So it was really kind of like, wow, these guys I work with, look at what they're doing. It so, makes me so proud that yeah. I worked with them. They were friends of mine. Um, one of my favorite shows I ever did was I played Wolf in the 30th anniversary production of the musical Hair. Oh. And it was just an amazing production. It was off off Broadway. And we got all this great buzz. Our tickets sold out. There was lines at the door every night. It was a tiny little theater, but we extended the run. We recorded a cast album live, a concert version of the album live at this old club down in New York that's no longer open called The Wetlands. Um, mm-hmm. Had all this money thrown at us like we want to do something with this production. So we sort of, our cast, I could say, definitely our show, revitalized the interest in the show. Nice. And this was in 98, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. we had plans to close for about two months, rehearse, mm-hmm. and then open off-Broadway with intentions to go to Broadway or even a year after that. We're going to open off-Broadway 30 years to the date that the original show had opened on Broadway. Ooh. Um, but then one of the guys is still alive, uh, Jim Rado, who was with us all the time, got thrown so much money by these different producers decided to go with a European tour and national tour route instead of the stand instead of the standing New York production. So mm. they scrapped our production and took two two of our team, two of our cast to with them and the rest of us got got axed. Oh. It was close, but it's like uh, you know, we it mm-hmm. was unfortunate, but it was just like what a great ride, what a great run. Yeah. But I was happy to see them continue working in the show and do stuff and uh But yeah, it was like, oh so close. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh but uh, it was a great time. Yeah. So how long did you end up – were you a working actor, You know, I guess is the right term, right? How long did you, you – were you doing yeah. that full-time? Well, between 95 and 2000, okay. you know, I was off and on a working actor because you get a show. And like yeah. I said, you're gone for three months. Yeah. And then you come back and you'll work at a bar or restaurant until you get another show. Okay. You know? A couple times I didn't work between gigs because I booked a gig after, so I only had like maybe a month between. Yeah. And we just collect unemployment or whatever, you know, and then um, sure. uh, I live off of savings and then go off and do the next show. So you know, it was a good six years, I'd say, at least. And um, like I said, again, off and on, but um, yeah. it was great. So why did, you, why did you decide to stop doing it? Well, the last show I did was really, really tough. It was okay. uh, called Selena Forever, and it was based on the slain Tejano singer Selena. Okay. Uh, a tra- tragically beautiful story. Right. And, um, you know, um, it was from the very beginning, it was a mess, the show. It was just we had, there was a lot of infighting between the directors and the producers and the writers, and we were constantly changing. I mean, how I got cast was pretty amazing because um, I to back up years before I had auditioned for the national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar and wanted that so bad. Yeah. And I got down to like me and this other guy for the role of Peter and the, the one producer really wanted me, but the other guy had a better voice, plain and simple. He just did. And, mm-hmm. uh, so the other guy won out, but they remembered me. So I was working at a bar and, um, they came in one time, the producers, they're like, Jimmy, I'm like, yeah, they're like, remember us from, I'm like, Oh my God. Hey guys, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And like we're working on this new show, you think we think you'd be great for, and it's called Selena. And like you look like the husband because at the time I had really long hair and right. you know, a lot, you know, better shape. And 
And I look, I'm like, well, I do look like him, <laughs> you know, a little yeah. bit. And um, we think it'd be great for this. So they kept telling me, they would show me sides and, and tell me about the story. We'd talk about it. And then I left that job and I lost touch with them. So I didn't think anything of it. And suddenly it was my birthday. Um, was it 99, I guess, we went out? Or eight? Yeah, mm -hmm. the tour was in 2000. Yeah, so 99, December. I'm sitting at the bar restaurant with like about six or seven friends and waiting on the rest of the crew to show up. Because even then, a Jimmy Aquino birthday was a celebration, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, and we literally just sat down and because um, we're going to have like six or seven of us having dinner, then the rest of the crew is going to show up for, to party later. So we're sitting down and in comes Tom, this producer of this show. I'm like, he's like, hey, happy birthday. I go, what are you doing here? I mean, happy to see you. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I went to your old job to get a hold of you, and uh, they said you were having a birthday party, so I wanted to come by and see you. And I was like, well, that's really nice. Thanks, man. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. How's the show going? He goes, well, that's what I came here to talk to you about. I've got a little early birthday present for you. I'm like, He's like, what that? He goes, well, the final callbacks are tomorrow for the show, Cause meaning they had to already cast most of it, and they were just doing final auditions for yeah. callbacks. And he goes, you're in the show but just show up so you can meet the director and sing for him and we'll figure something out. I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What happened? He goes, see you tomorrow at nine. I was like, okay. I'm like, was I without even auditioning for it? What? So that's kind of how I will show up the next day and sang for him and I ended up understudying the role of the, the husband and went on a few times. Again, the, the, the production had so many, so many troubles. And we started canceling dates and gigs. We played all over Texas for three months, you know, and then mm -hmm. our first gig out of Texas was Chicago, and then that was our last one ever. And we had this whole West Coast tour lined up, and it was supposed to come to Broadway. Um, and I, and, I, and they, it wasn't a very well-paid production, as much money right. as the production had behind it. We weren't being paid very well. Okay. Um, so I'd kind of fallen behind on things, and... So once it all got canceled, I was just like, I need to step away for a while. Yeah. Not do this. I need to like make some money, catch up on some things, and then maybe in a year or two come back to it. So I did. And the, then I just lost interest. I was like, well, I don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah. And I fell into the bar scene, fell in love with the bar scene, and started doing that. And that was that. So you kind of had your time, and you certainly – it doesn't sound like it's something – Sounds like you enjoyed every minute of it, but you just, it was time to move on. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. time to move on. And, you know, I missed it a little here and there, and I was happy to see my friends still working. Yeah. And it was great. And, you know, I'd be tempted to hit an audition on occasion. And even probably I'd only been back a month or two, mm -hmm. if that. A friend of mine, Cynthia, who we used to work out together at this gym, she calls me and says, Hey, will you meet me early? at the gym before our workout because I want to do some like dance lists and practice and I have an audition for Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat a okay. show I've always wanted to do sure but I'd never done and she was, I was like sure so I met her there we worked on some lists and some turns and twists and whatever and dance stuff and then I went to jump on the treadmill and the audition was 10 floors up at the same building mm -hmm. um, so suddenly she calls me and because this is you know 99, 2000, yeah. cell phones, you know, dumb. And she was like, hey, what are you doing? I go, I'm on the treadmill. And she was like, can you come upstairs? I'm like, why? She goes, well, I told them we were doing some 
lifts and they want to see them, I go, I'm in my like gym shorts, a tank top, yeah. I'm sweating, I have sneakers on, yeah, like a bandana on. They're like, please, I'm like, for you, yeah, because you're a good friend of mine. Of course, I'll come up. So I came up, and they're like, thank you so much. We're sorry to interrupt your workout, you know, but she was telling us you guys are working on some stuff, and we'd love to see it because we don't have a dancer here for the audition. It was just her. I'm like, great. So we did it. And it was really fun. And I was like, great, oh, cool. So I'll see you guys. They, go, they were like, wait a minute. Can you? Can we teach you a combination real quick? And I was about to say no because I'm not auditioning. But then I looked over at Cynthia and she was like, please don't ruin this for me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, of course, sure. So I do it. And they go, will you sing for us? And I, again, I was like, oh, God. Come on, okay, guys. I guess. And I'm... Um, I guess because I didn't I – yeah, I guess it was because I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I wailed. I was like – like even Cynthia was like, I've never heard you sing like that. <laughs> you know? Oh, how funny! And so I sang like something from Jesus Christ Superstar, and they were like, "Wow, thank you. All right." They go, "Do you have a headshot and resume?" And I go, and then I finally had like, "Guys, I'm not auditioning." Like, no, no, we know. We just, you know, what? Let's have your fun. In case you decide to get back into things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I live about three blocks away, and the producer and director guy goes, "I'll come with you." I was like, "What? Okay." So I literally walk home to my apartment. Get my headshot hit, and we were talking. I go, I'm just letting you know, I'm not auditioning. I've yeah. left the business for a while. I need time away. He's like, okay, well, you know, there might be something in it for you. And maybe it's like, if it's financially good enough for you, maybe you'd want to do it. I go, well, maybe. You never know. Sure. So, sure enough, an hour later, they call me to offer me a role. Wow. <laughs> and I said, well, first off, I don't want this to be like fame where I was Leroy and came in and stole a role. And Cynthia, you know, <laughs> he's like, yeah. no, no, we cast, cast Cynthia. We want you both. Mm hmm. So if we want to give you guys a dance solo and all this other stuff, and, and and I said, well, just a couple things. How much do you pay? And they're like this much, you know, not enough. And I said, also, I want a song. I want to play, but they it was near the final, you know, callbacks. Yeah. They already cast most of the cast. Like I want to play this one brother with this one song. You know, we've already cast it, but we could probably put you as understudy. I was like, okay, um, but still not the money. They're like, okay, let me call you back. So they called back. I thought about it. I called her. She goes, please take it. Please take it. It'd be so great. That's a show I'd always wanted to do. And so they called back and bumped it up a little in the money, and I was just like, I can't. I can't do it. I've got to stay here. So Yeah. It was unfortunate because I really wanted to do the show, and um, I, if I'd never done that, still to this day haven't. And, um, but I was just like, I need to stay. Yeah. I need to stay. So it's one of those ones like, maybe I should have taken it, but yeah, it was all right that I did. So, Jimmy, do you think podcasting has helped – scratch that creative itch that you had in the musical theater well yeah i mean like i came back to it a little in 2005 i joined okay. a sketch comedy group yeah a friend of mine that bartended near where i bartended had been involved in this pretty this award-winning well-known sketch group called homegrown and she said do you want to join and i was like what does it entail and this like well, i used to do sketch you know when i was younger and so yeah. i did that for a couple years with them and it was very successful. We were really fun. I, I ignited my writing more, if anything. Yeah. And that was great. And then that kind of dissolved at um, the end of uh, uh, the year, and that's when I picked up podcasting. So uh-huh. it led right into the podcast. That's why I couldn't start the podcast with Joe when he asked me. Right. Because I was doing the sketch group, and I was too busy with that. Right. So when the sketch group ended, I was like, well, I can do this podcasting thing. And, of course, I added – all this silly creative stuff I would do, like songs and sketches on it, and I still to this day do. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it definitely does sort of make me feel like I'm doing something creative, you know? Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> no, I think so. I, I think, you know, one of the, you know, I, I think in a successful podcast, there are people that you're just enjoying them having a conversation. You know, you feel like you're in the living room with them or you're at the, you know, the booth of the diner and you're just listening to the conversation. And and I think you do a great job of that with no matter who your co-host is. Um, and you're very real. You when you're happy with something you share and and when you're not happy, you're very kind you know, it, it it's very rare you go, okay, this mm-hmm. book sucks. You just will say, you know, I yeah, I yeah. kind of think I know where they were going. It wasn't for me, but, you know, you got to try it yourself. Yeah. So, and I think that's sure. partly because... I just think it's, I just think it's unnecessary. To, yeah. yeah, I th- totally agree. God, we've already gone tons of time. Talk to me about any, <laughs> like, musical influences or, you know, do you have any favorite artists M- growing up in the 80s and doing music theater? And I know you have stayed, because I'll hear you talk about modern music. And so is there somebody that is a special influence for you or a favorite artist that you keep Not going sure, back yeah. to? I mean, like, it, it just goes back to... So this goes back to what I said earlier about people stopping at music. I never stopped listening to modern music. I still listen to to, to the new stuff that comes out all the time. Yeah. I mean, and it's a wide variety. I think Taylor Swift is awesome. Yeah. I said it. I don't care. I think she's great. I think you know. But I also I listen to a lot of hip hop. So I love probably my current new hip hop favorite is is Run the Jewels. You know, with mm-hmm. Killer Mike and LP. But um, going back, you know, I was a big when hip hop started happening. I was it was like that's for me. And yeah. I was really big, obviously, Motown as a kid. Right. And when hip-hop rolled around, I was like, this uh, makes sense to me to be part of this. And uh, I loved it and it really latched on. But that sort of R&B influence, you know, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Yes. Huge Prince fan. At times, the weirdness of his life overshadows what a creative genius he was. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he was amazing. And yeah. even my nephew to this day, who certainly didn't grow up with him, yeah. like somehow discovered his videos online and tries to emulate him in his dance moves, things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would ever want my nephew to stay with him in his house. He was still alive. Right, but, absolutely, know, that's just, that's yes. A, but allegedly, yeah. Same, yeah. Allegedly, yes. And, and I certainly, you know, we can at times separate the artist from their behavior, but, um, you know, we've talked about it when we were doing an 80s uh, discussion about music, and they had no thought, I think the record company, that Thriller would be bigger than Off the Wall. You know, I mean, they thought, like, Off the Wall, that's as good as it can get. I mean, you know, and, um, yeah, just an amazing, very sad how it ended. So big, how, like, before it was coming, it's all hearing about it, like, oh, Michael Jackson got a new album out. Yeah. And I don't know if it was it Beat It or Billie Jean was the first single. I can't remember which one. Hey, the video, because this is the heyday of MTV, so the videos yes. were a thing. We were like, yes, we're trying oh, to yes. like that. But I remember when the Thriller video was coming out, MTV used to do those world premieres, you know? Yes. And they'd only show them at a certain time, so the world premiere was at 3 p.m. that day, and they were repeated at 8 o'clock at night, and then put it into the rotation. So you could only had a chance to see it twice the first day, I think it was. Right. So I had basketball practice, so... I couldn't go. I could go. Then I saw some of my fellow team. I'm going home to watch a video. I'm like, what are you talking about? We have practice. I go, I don't care. So I show up at practice and half the team is gone. <laughs> and the coach is pissed. Of sure. Course. 
And I think he ends up sending us home. And then, um, so I saw it that night. It was just like, this is amazing. And yeah. Say, we got it all. We all got it. But it was just like, um, got in trouble. But, um, that's funny. Yeah. It was, yeah. So many people ran home to watch it. Yeah. And we all learned the choreography. I used to be able to do the choreography, you know, it's just like, yeah. Well, you know, I can imagine because as a dancer, as well as a singer, he, the way he moved must have been just you staring at that. When I saw that 25th anniversary of Motown yeah. special where he moonwalked on TV, we all were like, what's happening? You know, it's like, this is amazing. So we all learned to moonwalk and I got into break dancing and other stuff. But I gotta say, Prince was a huge, huge influence as well because I loved there's something about Prince. Just, he's so like he could play what seventeen instruments. Like the dude mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And I finally got because I'm not a big concert goer, which I regret. But um, a friend of mine used to work for a radio station, the big one here in, in New York, and we get free tickets all the time. So because of that, I got to see Pat Benatar, who was at sixty, still amazing. I get to see Prince see when he played Madison Square Gardens about four or five years ago, and it was such a dream come true. I was like, holy crap! You know, I remember you t- I remember you tweeting about that and and you could tell the joy you were teenage Jimmy, right? Going to see this yeah. megastar. Yeah, it was a man we were far away, but I didn't care. I was just like yeah. just watching him go, like you forget what a good musician he is. Like, oh my god, he shreds on guitar. He's ridiculous. Right. And an amazing pianist, you know, and it's like He's mm-hmm. so good. He still puts out really good stuff nowadays. It's like, wow, he just released something recently. It's like, holy yeah. crap, he's still so prolific. I mean, there's I know there's all these stories of there's hundreds, if not thousands, of tapes of music like locked in a vault somewhere in Paisley Park at his home that he just never released. And wow. it's just his, all this music out there. He either think it wasn't good enough or I don't know. Yeah. Which I'm sure upon his eventual death it'll be you know, these yes you know, exactly <laughs> yeah there'll be so, so many good. songs that we we didn't yeah. hear um uh, i know you collect a lot of christmas music but um oh, yeah, is there sure. is there any albums or songs that beside thriller that mean a lot to you that that you kind of you go to when you're sad or when you're ready to celebrate you want to throw that album up or song well again i i I listen to modern music, so I'm constantly listening to new stuff. So okay. I don't know if there's something I always go back to, but it's definitely like there's a running joke with my friends in New York City where if we have to walk through Times Square, if that DMX song goes off in head, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, you know? Because <laughs> it's just like, oh, so many people, yeah, out of my way. Um, but yeah, it's like I don't think I have a really go to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, you mentioned Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas. I'm a huge Christmas nerd. I get new albums every year. And there's definitely certain Christmas songs where I'm, you know, yeah. I'm feeling a little down, get the Christmas blues for a second, which is rare. Yeah. And if I listen to it, I'm like, well, this makes you feel good. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I'm not a religious person, but for some reason, most of the religious Christmas music I love, like, Oh Holy Night, like Mariah's version is ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah. And, you know, a little Have Yourself a Merry Boat Christmas, you yeah. know. Nat King Cole singing the Christmas song. I've been listening to you since I was a kid because my mom had that album. Right. Um, just really great stuff. One of the things that I think is amazing and partly is because of your living in New York. Another thing, I just think at times you are a magnet running into 
what we would call celebrities yeah to finish up talk to me it is strange and talk to me a little about your brushes with greatness a couple that have uh you were really surprised about and you that meant a lot to you well it's like like you said because living in new york when i worked in a well-known restaurant yeah celebrities came in all the time so i was like oh my god i'm waiting on tom cruise and nicole kidman and you know brooke shields and andre agassi and oprah so that was kind of fun and that was sort of when it was happened all the time. And then in New York, you just see them all around everywhere. Right. And then doing the podcast, of course, interviewing all these celebrities. And sometimes a few of them have become friends on occasion or yeah. know, mutual friends you've hung out with. It's great. But I got to say, the first one that really meant a lot to me was Gregory Hines. Oh, yeah. I was a huge Gregory Hines fan's kick. Because obviously, he's an amazing tap dancer, singer, actor, and like the Hines brothers, you know, and stuff. He used to do concerts where he would sing and dance at and tap, mm-hmm. and he had like a little tap stage. And he came to Jacksonville. And so I was meeting some people there, and I was again probably 18, I don't know, yeah. 17, 18. I wore my tap shoes as I drove there, and then I chickened out and took them off when I went inside and put okay. my regular shoes on. And during the concert, he says, Does anybody have their tap shoes with them? And I was like, Oh no. And so like two people did, they came on stage and tapped with them. I was gutted. So next year he was coming, we all were prepared. Right. My dance team I was dancing with, when he asked, 40 of us were up on stage. And I was the only guy. Yes. And he and so he and I kind of had started bantering back and forth. He goes, see, see, fellas, this is why I went to dance. Look at him. He's the only guy up here. You know, and, um, <laughs> oh, that's great. He was like, let me see what you got. And he let me do a little solo tap. And yeah. we had this little joke we went back together about. And afterwards I met him. He signed my tap shoes, which I still own to this day. Mm. Um and that was amazing. And then years later, moving to New York, I run into him on the street and almost made him drop his muffin. But I was just yeah. like, he was carrying a coffee and a muffin. I was like, Mr. Hines, I'm so sorry. I have to stop you and say hello. And like, he went, he could shake my hand. He almost dropped his muffin. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to make you drop anything. <laughs> like, you're not going to remember, but about six years ago, I danced with you. But he goes, oh, thanks so much. It really means like, oh, you've been such an influence on me. And it was really special. It was like, really like, wow, man. He was always sort of, you know, a big, big influence in my life. Post-performance, like a lot of this is musical theater stuff, whatever, but Joe used to be neighbors with Terrence Mann. Oh, okay. So when we had him on the podcast, I had never met him. And of course, if you really don't know, Terrence Mann is, and like has played most of the big roles in musical theater back in the day. He was Javert in the original Les Mis. He was the original Beast to be the Beast. He was mm-hmm. uh, Rum Tum Tugger in the original General Cats. He's been around a long time. So I was, and he also did a lot of sci-fi stuff. You know, he did. He was on that shortly lived, which I thought was a fun series, um, sci-fi show. Completely forgot the name of it. My friend Priscilla will kill me. She loves this. The books based on oh, Jim Butcher, a Dresden yes. There you go. Yes. Uh, he was on that. He does decent sci-fi movies, and he was doing this Adam Sandler musical, which of course is based on the Adam Sandler, you know, the original Charles Adam uh, comics. Is why we had him on. So when I met him, I was like, my two worlds are colliding, musical theater and like sci-fi stuff. And he was the kindest. We kind of sang together on the podcast, which was amazing. And I was like, I kind of just did a duet with Terrence Mann. I think I'm okay with the rest of my life, you know? And um, and it was just really kind of like, again, one of those things where like a humble, genuine, nice guy who has had this amazing and still going ridiculous career, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that was kind of the career yeah we always 
wanted to be like, I want to be, you know, as big as whoever, but I always kind of wanted those careers that somebody like he had, you know, like Richard yeah. Hines had or Terrence Mann had. Yeah, really he, just, yeah, he was amazing in the Dresden Files. And, yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, and, and good in Sense8 and, and yeah, great guy. You know, it seems like at least as a listener, it appears that Brian Fuller really connected with you guys as well. And yeah, I, for yeah, sure. It was really strange because yeah. the publicist that I was friends with was working on Heroes. She was like, do you want to talk to him? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Or yeah. no, it's not something else. He goes, he's going to be doing this show called Heroes. I think it really yeah. for you guys. And so first time we chatted with him, we just really hit it off. And he was like, in all fair, he goes, anytime you guys want to chat, let me know. And he just started coming on the show on occasion. And anytime I... I can. I try to see him in San Diego or from LA afterwards. Yeah. He's in New York. I try to run into him, you know, and the nicest, one of the most talented guys out there. Yeah. And always happy to see him just, you know, he's a huge nerd, you know, and just yeah. is li- another one whose career, like, what a great career. Yeah. He's created absolutely. Some amazing shows. Yeah. Uh, and has worked on so many really great things and with so many great people. And because of him, is I got to meet Kristen Chenoweth and. Yes. Several others, you know, he hooked that up and was awesome. So, yeah, he's he's he's, he's pretty great. Yeah, I think that's that's really very cool, and it is nice sometimes to see. You know, you can hear someone that this is they they've liked you, and 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 I also I I kind of try to f- use you as a example of I've been able to interview a couple of people on um you know at conventions i've you know got to uh talk to paul mcgann and you know yeah and so um you know and colin baker and so you know like okay you know try to be cool don't be all fanboyish um because Mm -hmm. they don't need that and you're gonna have a better chance yeah and uh so i think that is you know. Well, that's something I, Joe and I talked about. Like, let's just have a conversation with them. It's like, yeah, right. get some questions in. But, yeah. And that's what anyone always said. And Kristen Chenoweth pulled me aside that the set of Pushing Daisy. She was like, I felt like I was talking to some friends. You guys were so nice and just made me feel so comfortable. Yeah. It didn't feel like an interview. I go, well, that's what we want to do. We want to just talk to people we've, yeah. since we've been doing that. And, um, and I think it works best. That's why I think Nerdist is so popular because they just he just hangs out and talks to them. Yeah, I, like, I do. Th- I do think so. I, I think <laughs> that they are have a great discussion, and you know, and I, I think that's changing, right? I think Kevin Pollack is doing that when his and the Nerdist and you know other people you're just end up visiting. So, is there anyone yeah. that? You haven't seen now. You said you're not a big concert person, but is there anyone you right. wish you could have seen live or you want to see live that you haven't? Well, definitely Michael Jackson. I wish I could have seen back yeah. in the day. Um, but I, I did go to a lot of hip hop concerts, like I was a huge Run DMC and Beastie Boys fan, so okay. I saw a lot of those when I was young, which was awesome. And okay. I actually got to meet DMC last year and interview him, which was amazing. Oh, that's cool, yeah, because he does some comic books now, so it's like pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's uh. Concert-wise, I'm trying to think. It's like because it's ever-changing. You yeah, know, it's like oh, I'd love to see them. I bet they put on a good show. Or mm. oh, who are they? I'm not sure. Like there's a. Okay. Uh, I'm sure that as soon as I hang up, be like oh, this person and that person, yeah. you know. But um, so definitely probably older groups. I, I you know, I was yeah. happy. I'm glad I saw Pat Benatar years ago. Yeah, who still rocks at this age? So, I, you know, hey, I was a big Bon Jovi fan. I wouldn't mind seeing Bon Jovi. Yeah, be kind of fun. 
even the even Journey, things like that. Sure. Who haven't you had on the podcast you'd like to have? And I'm sure that's a long list, but is there just a couple uh, right offhand that comic book wise? And, and this almost happened a few times. We we never had Brian Bendis on. Okay. And we were emailing years ago, and just some something just fell through, and then it's just now he's just too busy. And yeah. And it's tough. The busy they're getting. I'd love to have talk to him. Just pick his brain. Um, yeah. I've known Frank Miller for years, and he's agreed to come on several times, but his schedule's gotten so crazy as well. And TV, film. I, even though I've had him on several times, I've never had him on one on one. Even though again, he's agreed to it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Smith. I would yeah. love to just sit down and talk to you for an hour. I love. Uh, of course, Natalie Dormer is a dream to get right now for many reasons. And, um, yes. but yeah, that, she's, she's so she's. And I want to make sure this is not just because she's stunningly beautiful. She is awesome at anything she oh, does. She's a fantastic actress. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I call myself a Natalie Dormer hipster because I liked her before everyone else. Right. But, um, I loved her since the Tudors, and then I yeah. watched her in Fades over in the UK, Silk, another UK drama. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've probably seen most of her work, you know, and like, yeah. she's just one of those actresses I feel that in 30 years or more, we're going to be talking about her, how we talk about Helen Mirren and like Judy Dench. I think, like, oh, I Dame, totally agree. Natalie Dormer, of course, she's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, I mean, just, she's amazing. And yes, she's super hot. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like when she's her in Moriarty in Elementary, what a nice role. And then, of course, Game of oh, Thrones. God. And just, what a she's, great twist yeah. that was. Yeah, it was. Just absolutely. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking time to do this. I, I've had a blast. And like I said, you've been a good friend and you've been very supportive of my podcast and you and joe are always kind about me love listening to the podcast so any final words you want to share with anyone well i was hoping we'd get into the whole new kids on the block thing but forget it now. <laughs> but, uh, exactly <laughs> uh, <laughs> i was i did love new edition as a kid uh, very so nice was awesome. they were, new edition was my thing and, absolutely and i was convinced i was going to when bobby brown left, i was convinced i was going to join the group you were like that was it they were fantastic hey they needed uh, but thank you so much for having me i appreciate it oh no problem yeah, um they got John Gill, and it was cool. Yeah. So, all good. Tell me how, if someone wants to reach you, tell me how they can. Find me all over online, just at Jimmy Aquino, J-I-M-M-Y-A-Q-U-I-N-O. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. The podcast, of course, is Comic News Insider. Go to comicnewsinsider.com. There's a Facebook page as well you can like. Easy way to contact all the information is there to contact us. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I urge you, it is not just comic books. It's all things pop culture. And it is always, like I said, it's a fun listen to every week. And I'm so glad. And if you want to do a search, I've actually co-hosted a while back. Yes, Uh, you have. uh, What bourbon were you drinking while we talked? It's just a little Buffalo Trace. Very nice. Now, what we should do an episode is just talk about bourbon next time because, yeah, uh, sure. yeah Jimmy uh, is a fan of the American spirit. Okay, yes. so hang on. Let me do my ending. If you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies or your musical hero, send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page and a Twitter account at setlustingbruce. Please check that out, and we'd appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. As Jimmy says, five stars, nothing but love. 
this really right. does help people find us. Thank you, sir. And we're going to close with people always told me to be careful what you do and don't go around breaking young girls' hearts. And mother always told me to be careful of who you love and be careful what you do because the lie becomes the truth. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, listeners. Bye. Thank you. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.